Hey everyone, and welcome to the Creator Cups podcast, the show where we interview creators over a cup of joe. Whatever that cup of joe is for you, come enjoy it with us. On today's episode, we have world-renowned photographer Chris Nichols joining us. Chris is well-known for his fashion and beauty photography, both editorial and commercial work, as well as his celebrity portraiture. His photographer, his photogenic style is celebrated for his sensitive use of light and color. He is a Fanshawe Photography alumni, and his shoots have taken him across Canada and around the world to many countries, including Italy, England, France, China, Argentina, Brazil, the Caribbean, and Mexico. He spends a lot of his time now in between Toronto, New York, and LA. He has photographed many of the world's top models, such as Kate Moss, Laura Stone, and his celebrity work includes Miley Cyrus, Courtney Love, Taylor Swift, Demi Lovato, Katy Perry, Michael Bublé, Alicia Cuthbert, and many others. His work can be seen in many retail and beauty campaigns throughout Canada and the US, as well as the covers and editorials of many magazines around the world, including fashion magazines, Rolling Stone, En Route, and many others. Chris, Chris, hey. is a well, <laughs> Chris is a well-respected in the magazine industry, and he has won more national awards than any other individual orga- organization. 20 awards and 55, nomina- uh, 50, 20 awards and 55 nominations. He was voted Photographer of the Year three years in a row by the Procter & Gamble Fashion and Beauty Awards, and in 2014, he received the CAFA Image Maker of the Year Award. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. That was uh, quite the intro, but you know, you're uh, an experienced guy, so I think it was uh, well needed. Okay, thanks. (laughs) No worries. How's it going today? That's good. Good. Are you drinking anything this morning? I do have my coffee right here. Hey, cool. And what is it? Sorry, coffee? Uh, It's actually a Cortado. I'm a bit of a coffee nut i don't know mm-hmm. no, i i you know i can i could tell you more about it but i have like a semi-commercial espresso uh, machine in the kitchen yeah. okay. i have a rocket milano okay. uh giotto mm-hmm. and i'm and i like uh cortado which is a spanish uh espresso drink which is 50 percent uh like it's two shots of espresso and and an exact the exact same amount of milk. So okay. it's it's uh, so cortado means cut cut in half. Okay. So you have a very short um, two ounces of uh, espresso, and then you have exactly two ounces of of milk on top of that. Oh wow, sounds delicious. Yeah. So I just started my research on to get an espresso machine. So I'm just kind of I'm looking to probably get one this year, but. Uh, all my friends are starting to get into the pouring and stuff, right? They all have one and they're all showing their pours on, on the Instagram and stuff. So right, how's right. your pour doing? Is it good then? Is, is that what it's called? The pour? Uh, you do all that? Yeah, I have, I, I'm not, I'm like a, I mean, I like a good cup of coffee. Um, I, I know you can totally nerd out on it and people are, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have a little kitchen scale, Okay. you know, in theory, 18 grams of espresso, uh ground just right put through the machine for like 20 seconds produces two ounces of espresso or or, you know 60 milliliters or whatever yeah um 
and to kind of get that ratio right, get the grind right. Um, I, you know, I don't have a super exotic coffee. I just buy it at Loblaws. It's Lavazza Prema e Gusto, but okay. it's like a nice Italian blend. It's, it's strong, Ooh. but not bitter at the top end. And it's, it's very well-rounded, you know? Oh, that sounds really and, nice. Uh, yeah. I got into like, uh, uh collecting like vintage espresso um makers and um after i acquired 25 of them my wife was like what are you going to do with these (laughs) uh you know they're nice objects and i i kind of stopped i stopped looking at that point but Mm -hmm. yeah now they're all in boxes downstairs but i do have the first home um cappuccino maker by fema the famina okay uh, that was uh 1950 Wow. Uh, it was made in 1950 and it's quite a beautiful, I would encourage your listeners to look it up because it is a beautiful machine. Okay, for sure. And, uh, I'm sure they'd be interested. Awesome. Well, what a great piece to start the show. So um, right. next thing we like to do uh, is a bit of rapid fire to get to know our uh, our guests a little bit better and faster. So are you ready for right. a few quick questions? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Are you a morning or a night person? I think I'm a morning person now. Cool. Uh, What's your least favorite ice cream? Oh, God. I mean, I like ice cream a lot. I mean, I guess maybe like like licorice or something like that. For me, it's it's mint. I can't stand the taste of mint, like chocolate or ice cream. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh, I like like a French mint. Yeah, yeah. Do you? Yeah. I'm like, keep the mint out of it. (laughs) Mints for gum and toothpaste. (laughs) <laughs> yeah fair enough <laughs> um okay um what's your favorite pizza topping um i did build my own pizza oven oh, uh cool. up at our uh, like property up at our cottage nice. i i mean prosciutto and arugula i think and then okay. some sort of spicy you know having said that i don't I don't really buy pizza in the city or anything like that. No. So, so you like to make your I'm own. I'm not a big pizza eater, but I do have a pizza oven. Yep. And when I make it, it's like, yeah, oh. prosciutto, arugula. Okay. Some spicy oil on top. So there's there a pizza go. game to be had. Is that what you're saying? I didn't, I didn't know that there was a, like, I've never met anybody who makes their own pizza, like who has like an interest in a lot, you know? You know what? I mean, I, it, it sort of came up out of the blue, like, my wife just said, you know, you should make a pizza. You know, I don't know. Oh. We were looking at one. She's like, well, yeah. you could make one. And I was like, Go yeah. And, and uh, I was just being agreeable. And then she, and then it just got further and further into it. And I was like, yeah. you know, it's going to be a lot of work because yeah. it's big. And it's yeah. got like a big canopy over it. And oh, it's not like really? a little thing. Like, anyway, people must, people say, oh, you must really like pizza. You must yeah. really love it. But it's more like it was just a project and I just got into it and it just like, well, if I'm going to do this right, then I'm going to do it properly. And then it, yeah. you know, ended up becoming a huge project, but yeah, that's cool. Beautiful pizza oven. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. it looks awesome. Very cool. Uh, black, white, or colorful socks. Black um, or no socks. Black or no socks. Do you have a favorite sports team? I don't follow any sports. No. Okay. What's your favorite Canadian? Sorry. Team? That's okay. What's your favorite Canadian city? Um, and it's besides the one you live in, because I know you live in Toronto. Yeah. I always like Vancouver, yeah. even though I haven't really honestly spent that much time there. You know? 
<laughs> right on. And do you have yeah. a favorite food? Is there one go-to food that you're eating all the time? Um, I mean, not, not really. No, I like spicy food. I like, I oh, like cool. different food. I, yeah. There pretty much isn't any food that I don't like. Like I don't right. have like, Oh, I just can't eat mushrooms or whatever. I there's, really nothing yeah um i like middle eastern food a lot Very cool. um yeah i like that too food. i really like to try variety i've i'm basically yeah. up for anything yeah my uh my yeah. wife's family's all out in newfoundland so i go out there and oh, yeah. try all of their fun stuff so yeah i've seen some of your the photos cod tongues and uh, yeah yeah, yeah. I love the cod tongues and fish and brews and all the all the yummiest stuff yeah i was gonna say st john's actually when that when you said favorite city but i mean I don't know. Yeah, I, I do have sort of a fantasy. My wife's from Halifax, but oh, cool. Of living on the East Coast. I mean, I like water, so I don't know. There's something amazing about Newfoundland, Nova Scotia, also. Yeah, I know. I don't know why I'm stuck in Ontario. <laughs> we actually lived there. I, so I was in the army for a few years, for almost ten years. Uh, broke my back skydiving. So when when I retired, we moved out to Newfoundland because all of our family was there, and uh, so. Uh, we ended up having our daughter and so my my dad was here and her parents were here in Ontario so oh, like it was go. a bit of a guilt thing <laughs> to come back right so we come back and then her parents her dad ended up retiring from Honda so then they sold their place in Barrie and got a few bucks for it obviously and uh, so they moved back to Newfoundland now so we have a bit of an nice. itch maybe to head back ourselves uh, to Newfoundland because yeah. we do like travel there often and stuff. So we'll see what ends up happening. Like St. John's or, or where? Um, so they're in a place, uh, Heart's Delight. So uh, just past, Dil like about an hour past Dildo. You know where Dildo is? Uh, have you ever been to the brewery? Uh, I've seen it on a map. Yeah, I know yeah, something yeah. from there. Actually. You probably looked yeah. it up from all the buzz, right? But uh, yeah, so it's out yeah. that way, kind of on the on the lower peninsula, but off on its own, right. kind of on the bay, they say, right? So yeah, she's a nice spot. It's got like all the whales come and visit, obviously, every year and everything. So it's got a lot of wildlife yeah, I, that's happening, right? Yeah, we've shot there many times. And I think that's probably because I'm the one suggesting it. I don't think anyone, you know. Um, yeah, I just love it out there. Yeah. yeah. We spent a couple of weeks out there like shooting for a brand. Uh, was that last summer or the summer before? Yeah. It was really wonderful. And man. that was at Fogo, right? uh no no but we we've been to fogo as well um just once but um just out of um just out of st john's like going to you know shooting at cape spear and, and okay. then going up to pouch cove and then yeah. down to like is it fairyland yeah down, uh south yeah down beautiful. south coast so yeah beautiful so beautiful i just love that rugged landscape and yeah yeah, all the icebergs come down through there too on the south coast. Yeah, I've yeah. seen a, I've seen a couple yeah. of monsters out there. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, so I I do being a younger fella, I have like a bit of an itch to like go out there and buy a boat and then go iceberg chasing and whale chasing and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah, it'd be pretty rad with the camera and the and the drone and stuff too. I actually was I actually got caught some uh caught some. I'm trying to get their name right, but some dolphins last year. I caught them on the drone, so I. I just had thrown up the drone and uh, a pod of dolphins came right into the harbor that I was at. It was, I uh, can't remember the name of the harbor that I was in, but yeah, they came in and just played around for about an hour, just feeding away yeah. right on the Capelin. And I caught, caught a couple of them breach and I'll send you the video actually on Instagram. Uh, it was, it's a pretty neat one. Yeah. So it's a cool yeah, one. I follow a couple guys that do a drone work over whales and uh, yeah. 
and dolphins and that it's it's yeah. fascinating, fascinating yeah such that. access such amazing access when you're over top you know mm -hmm. yeah yeah it is yeah. so clear perspective yeah. cool yeah. so um we'll start out by asking so who is chris nichols and what was the early days like before you were a creator so what was your younger mm -hmm. days like where did you grow up when i was a child yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh so i was born in england and um uh, uh, just kind of north uh, west of London, uh, and uh, my parents decided that there was only so much, um, so many prospects uh, in in England for kind of a kind of lower class. You know, just because of the class system, my father would always say, you know, there's only so far that they'll ever let you get. You know, like you you're never going to achieve a lot, and you know, move to Canada. So we moved to Canada. And uh, he never looked back. He never he actually never went back to England once, even. Right. Canada is the best country in the world. Uh, I grew up in Oshawa, which is uh, just east of Toronto. And Oshawa is like a factory GM town. And um, and so it's a bit of a... Uh, I don't say... Uh, it's, it's not very uh, artistically supportive, I would say. <laughs> Because it's, uh, you know, it's just factory workers. It's a bit of a redneck town, a bit of a rough place to grow up, actually. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and then I went to Fanshawe College to take photography against my parents' wishes. Um, my brother, my older brother's a, a writer. And, you know, I think my parents wanted both of us to have some sort of career that was much more secure and not be creative. But, you know, <laughs> I hear that story a lot, actually, from a lot of young people, you know, that they... They want to follow their dreams, but their parents want them to be engineers or they want them to be in banking or they want like, I understand that as a parent, I understand like wanting your kids to have secure jobs and, mm -hmm. you know, so um, what was it that yeah, made you pick and up the took photography? What was it that made you pick up the camera? Like, what was it that made you go to Fanshawe? Like, was there, um, Initially, I couldn't figure it out. Like in, during high school, like there were camera clubs and stuff like that. And I never belonged to any of them. I actually wasn't that interested in photography. Uh, I mean, any more than anything else. And um, what I what I recognized that I really liked is I liked being out in the woods and I like being by myself a lot. Okay. So I like and, and what I did not recognize is what I was, <clears throat> you know, it's like I, I would go canoeing, I go kayaking, I go hiking, I go for hours and hours. And I love the fact that I could be like <clears throat> deep in the forest or, you know, and no one knew like, you know, I was explorer man or whatever. Um, and so I kind of thought like, well, what I'm interested in is nature and forest. And I was reading a lot of magazines about that sort of thing. And so I thought maybe I would get into forestry, actually. Mm -hmm. And I actually went and went to one of the colleges and like looked into that, thought maybe that's what I want to do. But instead I took a year off and I did volunteer work across Canada. Oh, very cool. And during that time, I took a lot of photographs and people started saying, well, you're really good at that, you know? And then I sort of connected like what I was doing when I was went out into the woods is I bring my camera, always brought my camera with me. And I, and, you know, I would record like what I saw and then I bring it back and show people and they would be like, wow, that's amazing. You did that, you know? Yeah. And then I'd be like, right. I'm good at that. You know? And I even had an instructor at Fanshawe say like, probably most of you are here because someone told you you're good at that. You know? And I was mm -hmm. like, yeah, you're right. That's wow. That's and, that um, just clicked for me too. It's the same with me. I was 
I remember, yeah, a lot of people have been said, a lot of people said before I started doing photography that I, or before I took photography, obviously, which is more recently than you, but it's the same thing. They, a lot of people said I was good at it before I actually got in, invested into it for sure. Yeah. And then it didn't really connect with me. Uh, then I was sort of well, like, right. Why didn't it occur to me that that's why, you know, it just took me a while to figure it out. And I, I can understand how a lot of young people um, don't know what they want to do when they get out of high school. And that there's a lot of pressure to say, well, what do you want to be? You know, it's like you speak to a 16 year old or an 18 year old. It's like, well, what do you, you know, what are you going to do? And then they all, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know either. I sort of had a rough plan that I was going to buy a motorcycle and go to Florida. Mm -hmm. that, that was my plan after high school. I'm, yeah. I'm really glad that didn't turn out. And was there uh, like, was there like really a fire burning? Like after you started like at Fanshawe, like, was there, you're like, cause like, I know for some people it's kind of like, yeah, I want to do photography, but I'd also like to do it. Like, or were you like, I'm doing this photography thing. Like this is me for, this is what I'm going to do, you know, or was there a bit of a, yeah, oh, I didn't I really have a plan. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I didn't have a plan B. Like I didn't entertain the idea. And I know a lot of people say about the arts generally, if you have a plan B, then just go to your plan B because <laughs> if you already have a plan B, it's too late. <laughs> you yeah, know, like yeah. if you only have a plan A and having said that, I was certainly discouraged along, along the way, like things didn't, you know, yeah, I don't think I had a, a plan B really. Yeah. No. Cool. I, I, I had sort of, I was optimistic that it was reasonable to want to do it. At the same time, I don't think I ever thought I would make any money at it. Like I always thought I would be a poor artist, like doing something cool and creative, but not really making, like making enough to live on, but not like to any level of comfort. Yeah, And then even years into it, my other friends all went to university and college and then they came out, they got these jobs and in their late, you know, mid twenties, all of a sudden they were like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, I've got a car now. And now I've got a, uh, we're going on, you know, we're going uh, skiing out in Whistler. You should come along, you know? And I would be like, I'm a photographer. Like I don't have any money. Like right. I'm trying to follow my dreams, you know? Yep. Um, and even into my early 30s, I, you know, suddenly my friends were all like, why are you doing that? Like, like, you're not making any money. Like, you know, we're buying houses and we're having children and we're like, you know, like, and we're going on holiday, these fancy holidays. And yeah, we've got a nine to five job. And I'm like, yeah, but you have a nine to five job. And remember how we used to talk that 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 would suck. Yeah, <laughs> and they're like, well, right. and then I grew up and I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to grow up. Yes, I don't know. So, so yeah, there were times where it really seemed like it wasn't going to work out mm -hmm. uh, when I owed the bank a lot of money and even, you know, but there was always, I, I always sort of thought, well, I'm not going to make enough money, but then it turns out that I did. So, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I, I don't know. I never had a plan B. No. Yeah. So how did you end up in fashion photography? Um uh, I went to Toronto and I applied uh, to be an assistant at every photographer I could possibly find. And this was, of course, pre-internet. And, uh, you know, you, you followed every little lead, every little name, looked everybody up in the phone book, called them, went and saw them. And 
and nobody was hiring. And I did that for months and months and months, probably um, six months or longer. I was working at Black's Cameras, selling cameras. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, I got a a tip that there was this photographer who who seemed like a bit of an idiot, but, uh, you know, here's his name. And and so I... uh, I went and met with him and he said, well, I know this other person that might be looking for someone. And it just so happened that day, uh, his assistant didn't show up um, for some reason. He was like, I need an assistant today. So I was in those days. I mean, I didn't know I was going for a job interview. I thought, well, I have to wear a suit, you know, so I'm wearing a suit and he's making fun of me and I'm wearing a suit. (laughs) But anyway, I took the tie off and we worked all day. And then he said, well, actually I'm shooting tomorrow too. Can you come? And then, oh, I'm shooting next week. Can you come? And then, you know, what do you think about working for me full time? You know, so then I worked for him cool. for a while. Yeah. And, and I know no interest in fashion. Like I, it was a, just a totally new world to me. Like, but they were really fun people and we were doing creative work and it was exciting, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, suddenly I was needed there and, and, and I fit in, I think. And, um, and I had a lot of technical knowledge from going to Fanshawe actually, whereas a lot of these other guys, photographers didn't go to college. They were just sort of making it up and going on their own bravado and saying, you know, I'm a photographer, but I don't actually know what I'm doing, you know? Um, So, so then I just started. And then after a while I thought, wait, if these guys can do it, I can do it. This looks like a lot of fun. I'm not interested in fashion but I'm interested in doing creative imagery. And I think fashion is like the one area. Originally, I thought I wanted to be like a rock photographer, like photographing like bands for album covers and stuff like that. But I kind of quickly realized that that's a pretty small market. And, um, you know, as with a, a lot of things, I think, you know, like everybody would love to shoot uh, Led Zeppelin's album cover, you know, and they would do it for free, you know, because it's Led Zeppelin, you know, it's like, and then there's a lot of musicians that you've never heard of that are never going to succeed. And well, that's where the money is, is photographing these people that are, you know, and I know you have to work your way up and, but that whole, I realized that I didn't belong in that, in that music world. That's for mm-hmm. sure. But, but the fashion world just seemed like a lot of fun and they were nice people and they were eager for creative ideas. And I just feel like I fit right in. Very cool. Yeah, that's that's very awesome. I hope I find that myself. That's very cool. And I'm sure. But it's not like I'm. I don't follow. I mean, I appreciate fashion. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm not like. You know, I don't know. I like the contrast of it in in that I like. Uh, you know. You know, I still like being out in the woods. <laughs> I yeah. still like being out in nature, but. But it's kind of cool that sometimes I can do that with fashion photography, you know, like sometimes I can convince a client that we need to get helicopter to the top of a mountain in uh, in Whistler uh, to shoot in the snow in the summer. And 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 I don't know what other kind of job would allow me to do that. I don't know, like, you know, and then it's sort of super fun. We all got helicoptered up onto the glacier like um we did our shoot we call them back they come and pick us up you know and uh i don't know that's not about fashion but there's like a real excitement in that you know like and uh shooting in the studio is 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 more technical and 
it's you know do you sort enjoy of rely the whole process? Do you enjoy the whole process of it, like gearing up for that trip? Because I know I did a lot of traveling with the military. Do you really enjoy like yeah. the planning and preparation and like getting your gear ready and that whole bit before and the whole thing? Eh, is just yeah. Like if I could do it my way, yeah. I mean, every shoot would be like that. You know, yeah. it would be like uh, almost like, like a, an expedition. Eh? Know, very short, short talking point. Like you know, even like shooting in Cape Spear you know, in Newfoundland, let's go to Cape Spear and let's shoot like on this, the most easterly point in North America, you know, you know, and then let's go to White Sands, New Mexico and shoot in like, and like these beautiful, like, you know, while there's military jets flying over top, you know, and, uh, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, they actually closed the highway in White Sands. We've shot in White Sands many times, but they actually closed the highway so they can shoot rockets across the highway and blast them into the mountains you know like and uh that's kind of cool you know like those kinds of experiences that the fashion like shooting fashion on location allows you know allows these amazing like and you're always with a team of people and you get to enjoy it like with everybody you know and then we all go for dinner afterwards we create pretty pictures or dramatic pictures you know Mm -hmm. Uh, so i think that's like if i could continue doing it you know it's uh it shoots like that or you know I'd, I'd love to shoot in iceland i've never shot there i mean we have a shoot coming up and you know i just got a call yesterday from a client um what do you think about going to the dominican republic for a few days and then we'll fly to cuba and we'll do the other part of the shooting in havana and totally i mean oh my god that's so exciting you know like yeah yeah it's very cool um so it must get harder as time goes on though. You mentioned to me earlier that you have uh, three kids. Did it get hard as uh, you started to build a family and stuff? Like what were some of your struggles as, as you went through all this? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's tough times. I mean, there's definitely times where you feel like, I mean, because I'm a freelancer, I've always had a freelance um career so that means and then people don't quite understand when you're saying that that means literally i don't ever know where my next job is coming from and then when you start having uh like overhead and expenses and a mortgage or you know a studio rental or something like that um it can be um you know you have to have a tolerance for ambiguity you have to be able to tolerate the fact that you don't know what's going to happen next and I think that's also part of the creative pro- process. I think people who are very creative have a tolerance for not knowing quite where they're going with an idea. It doesn't have to be completely fully built in their mind. Um, and it's a mistake to think that it ever is in my case. Um, I feel like, you know, we we say, oh, that's going to be great. We're going to go there. We're going to find something great. You know, like, uh, there's a certain amount of anxiety, like, what if we don't? You have to do research. You have to make sure that it turns out. Um, but it's the same with um, with money coming in. You know, you don't know. It can be like, you know, you, the phone doesn't ring for a month and you think, okay, that's the last job I'll ever do. And uh, and everyone in my industry is in a similar position. Like, I work with free, all the people I work with. Well, not all of them. Some of them work for the corporations that hire me. But a lot of the people I work with, we're all freelance. We all don't know what's going to happen next. And at the same time, if you let on that you're like not busy, that's not good. 
people don't want to hear that you're not busy. People want to hear that you're busy. So we're all kind of pre-programmed to say, we're so busy. We're so busy all the time. You know, oh my God. You know, uh, even when inside we're going, uh, I haven't done a job in a month and I have no jobs booked, you know. But then all of a sudden the job comes up and you think, oh, okay. And you just keep going and keep going and fingers crossed. and, 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 you you know, it's important to recognize like what, like, what's going to keep the clients coming back you know you have to be doing creative work that catches their attention mm-hmm. and and makes them go okay this this person's still relevant or this or that's interesting i want to use that idea for my campaign or whatever very cool so do you have any advice for a new photographer so to the guy who's just finishing up fanshawe right now and he's about to graduate this this spring that's you He's a fashion <laughs> photographer. What should he do on his first day with his diploma? Uh, I mean, first of all, no one's ever going to ask to see your diploma. <laughs> like no one's ever going to know whether you graduated Fanshawe. Like no one's ever asked me if I went to call. I mean, other than other students or like other podcasts and stuff like that. Like, how did you get here? You know, mm-hmm. I could have gone to school and I could have gone to any school. Or I could not have. <clears throat> and I would say there's as many people working in the industry that never went to school for photography and ended up becoming successful as there are people that went to school. And it's whatever journey you want to hold. You know, I I I definitely needed to go to school because I didn't know anything about photography. And I, I think I needed a certain amount of structure at that point in my life. Um, but... Um, you know, you have to be realistic about, um, you know, how much you need to promote yourself, how much you need to get out there, like the just the volume of people that you need to meet before you get a job. And, and I know for me, like, you know, it can take many years still of making little connections here and there that you don't really know, but that, you know, that person that you did the one little job for, maybe you just did a headshot for them or something. Then they go on and work somewhere else. And when that bigger job comes up, and it could be years later, probably is years later. And then they're like, we need a photographer. That guy, you know. But meanwhile, that's years that have gone by. So you need to connect and do every piece of work that you can possibly find. And you never know what what work is going to be a dead end and what work is going to lead to something else, you know. Um, I, and, and you have to shoot a lot of stuff for free. You have to shoot a lot of stuff for your, for your portfolio. That's just your creative work because you're keen on doing it. You know, um, like if you want to do drone work, you, you have to be out there shooting with your drone, like all the time. Right. And building up that and building up that, um, you can't look for like a return on, on it. Like for, it's an investment that you have to put in like years of work, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, one little story that I tell is, you know, is someone asked me to do a shoot for like a hair salon. And I remember it was $300. And, and in those days that, that was, you know, that was enough. That was enough to get my attention, but basically I would do anything for, you know, anytime people ask me to do anything, I would say, yeah, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll make it work. You know? Yeah. Um, so I had a studio at the time, I, my very first studio, which was pretty rough. 
And um, and he said, okay, well, if you can find a like a female model, we have like, you know, no money for the model, like, you know, hundred bucks or something. And he said, I'm going to use my boyfriend for the male model. And I was thinking, oh, great. You know, like mm -hmm. if it's your boyfriend, he's not a model. He's just somebody that you're in love with or whatever, yeah. for whatever reason, I was thinking this guy's not going to be. Anyway, he came in, he was a pretty good looking guy. So it worked. And then afterwards, and, you know, it was for like a local hair salon in Toronto. Like, I don't know, like, it's so easy to think that's never really going to go anywhere, you know. But then this guy, the boyfriend afterwards asked me, like, he said, you know, I'm thinking of, I'm kind of trying to get this makeup company uh, started and it's up for makeup artists. And I don't have any money. And uh, but if you're interested in doing creative work, then maybe we could do something creative together. Like I think it's pretty cool. You know, we're starting to get some traction. And mm -hmm. and I was just sure, sure, yeah, I want to, I want to shoot. Like great. But you know, in my mind, I'm going, I'm doing this job virtually for free. You know, I, you know, by the time I make prints and do everything, like I'm, I'll make a hundred bucks. You know, and um, now I'm going to do another thing for free. Anyway, the company was Makeup Artists Cosmetics, which is MAC Cosmetics now, M-A-C. Um, and MAC Cosmetics became a massive international brand, right? And in the very beginning, you know, we just did it for free. And Frank, the guy's boyfriend, wanted to take some pictures, you know, like it all seemed kind of stupid, like yeah. quite honestly. Even yeah. at the time, I thought but I kind of need some beauty pictures in my portfolio. So maybe, you know, maybe I'll get to work with a makeup artist that'll then connect me to another job, you know, yeah. something, I don't know. But instead I ended up shooting for Mac and then Mac grew and grew and grew and, and, you know, then they started having money. And then I was doing international campaigns for Mac cosmetics. And I never saw that coming. I could never, ever saw that coming. And, uh, and, um, and then people would say, oh, my God, like, how did you get to shoot that? I'm like, well, that's the story. I mean, mm -hmm. and so, you know, people just people getting started in the business at the same level, building up with common interests, you know, that's, that have overlapping interests. And you never know, like, who your friend is that, you know, I mean, you know, sometimes it's easier to spot like people who have. Um, but no one's going to come and drop some huge opportunity in your lap that's going to be ready-made like at the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's the, the Is there a way the long, that, uh, uh, specifically for the fashion industry, is there a way that you could stand out amongst your peers? It's as simple as um, taking amazing photos. And, and, you know, and that's a bit of a, you know, it's like you could... I mean, not all fashion photographs are good. Not all fashion photographs of mine are good. There are certain photographs of mine that kind of show that I'm better than a lot of other people, I would say. Um, and then there's other fashion photographs that I do that just sort of show that I'm on a, on a pretty good playing ground with everybody else. And what you need are those better pictures. And it's as simple as that. Like, it's like the truth of it is like you could be a successful photographer, a fashion photographer, any kind of photographer, drone photographer or like a corporate photographer. If you had certain photo, you know, photos in your portfolio, because people would just recognize they would just say, that's amazing. That's great. You know, mm -hmm. um, and it's it's and it's like a. It's like a hit song, you know, 
Uh, there's plenty of people that play guitar and sing songs and you can go to any bar on a Friday or Saturday night and there's bands playing. Well, what's the difference between them and, you know, Kendrick Lamar or I don't know, like, you know, Billie Eilish or someone who's really knocking it out of the park like these days where you just listen to it. You just go, that's amazing. Like, I don't know anything about music, but that's a great song. You know, I don't know anything about photography but that's a great picture. I don't know how you did that or how you thought of that, but that's great. So it's a bit like that in that you need to wow people. It's not enough just to be, it's not enough just to be doing it, you know, not enough just to be good, good, good enough. Yeah. I say, I tell people, you know, if you do a good job for a client, you'll get paid. Probably <laughs> not yeah. always. Uh, if you do a great job, you'll get the job next time. If you exceed their expectations, they expect you to do something and you do it, great, you get paid. But next time around, like, okay, he did it, but did, did it just blow them out of the water? Like, oh my God, he worked so hard. He produced an amazing result that I was not expecting. We got a great response from it from other people. When I show other people these pictures, they're like, wow, you did, you, that's, good. that's really good. You know, that's great. Yeah. Um, that's the reaction you need. So how do you get that? Like, you know, you, you have to kind of uh, surprise yourself, you know, very often. You have to hold yourself to a, to such a high, you know, standard that that you would stop at that photo and say, or that video and say, that's amazing. That really moves me. You know, like I, I, I feel that that's great. And, and you have to try and recognize when your work is just merely sufficient and when it's better than that you know well, and that's a huge standard to try and hold yourself to and and you know mm -hmm. you want people to say how'd you think of that you know how did you what made you do that you know like i wasn't expecting that and so you can show that in your you know that goes back to like even um you know me wandering the woods with my camera as a teenager you know people come back i take pictures and people be like wow like like, wow, that's really cool. Like those pictures are really cool. Like, like I go out in the woods, I don't see that. Like, you know, like, how did you see that? Like, where, how did you I'm like, well, I saw it cause I got up before sunrise and I hiked two hours in the dark with a flashlight to that point of land. And it's really foggy in the morning. I know. And then the sun came up over the ocean and that's how I got the shot, you know? And I was back eating breakfast by the time you got up and I'd already taken the shot. And, uh, yeah, so it's a bit of that, and uh, and that can apply, I think, to any any kind of photography. You just need to wow people. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of very simple. Like you could have like ten photos, and you could have a whole career just if you had those ten photos. You know, like instant career if those were definitely your pictures that you took. Um, and by the time you show them around, say, "Well, I'm just starting out. This is what I've taken," um, then people would be like, well, I want to be connected to that because that is really good. You got something going on. Imagine what else you're going to do. Um, and so I think it's reasonable for any young photographer or even for me to put together the 10 photographs that they wish they had in their book that they know that they would get work from. And, you know, how do you know? I mean, I don't know. They're just 10 photographs that just inspire you and say, like, if I had a portfolio that looked like this, I would be, I think I would be working, you know, I would think I would be so proud that I would just 
go into people's offices and say, look, I took these like now you better hire me (laughs) and because these are really good and it doesn't matter what it's of, um, you know, I mean, models do that. They, um, let's say, you know, as a model from Edmonton or something, um, she'll do a lot of photo shoots uh, with a lot of local photographers. And then sometimes they'll come to Toronto or go to New York and take some pictures or whatever, um, just like creatives. And then the agency will just take the very best photo, throw out everything else, take one or two photos from their very best photo shoot where they really look amazing. And then they'll come to photographers like me or other, and they go, there's a new model. She only has two pictures, but they're amazing. And I'd be like, oh my God, like those are her only pictures. I want to hire that girl, you know, like, because she's just starting out. I want to be a part of that. You know, I don't know. They don't show me all the rest of the stuff, which I, I've come to learn. There is a lot of extra, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of bad pictures before you get the good ones, yeah. but it's the same as photography. You know, like if you were to say, take your very best shot and say, I'm, this is me. I'm a photographer. Mm-hmm. Wow. What else have you got? If the next picture is not that good. Oh, well, that was a fluke, you know? Yeah. So that's the other thing. Don't show people bad photographs. Yeah. Period. Don't make excuses. Like, don't make excuses. Oh, well, it would have been better if I was there later. Or, you know, if if I had the better lighting equipment that day. Or, you know, people never want to hear that. So don't ever even just, this is it. You know, this is what I do. If you have to make excuses, then you know you have to reshoot it. I'm working on a a little personal project right now. And... uh and it's, photo- it's not photographing people. Uh, um, but I went out and it takes me like long days to do this. It takes a fair amount of travel to do this. And I went out and did it once. And I came back. I was like, no, I'm not happy with it. Um, so I went out again and I went out again and I went out again. And then finally, in the end, I was like, I don't think the quality of the camera I'm using is going to do what I need it to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really my wife that just said, well, you're just going to have to reshoot it all. But I'd already put like, uh, like, I don't know, a hundred hours into it. And I was like, no, like, I'm not going to reshoot it. <laughs> yeah, Are you right. kidding me? I put like a hundred hours into this. And she's like, I think if you really think about it, you know, the result that you want in the end, the quality that you want, it'll always hang in your mind that you could have done it better. I was like, damn it, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so I started reshooting it. Back up. <laughs> yeah. Give me that. <laughs> so I'm in the middle of reshooting it, but anyway, yeah. So how do you find yeah. out about your personal projects? Do they get released or? Um, It's it's an idea for a, like a gallery show that I have. Oh, okay. And I haven't talked to many people about it. So I'm not going to really talk about it publicly right okay. now. Keep our eyes peeled. <laughs> it doesn't have right. people in it. Um, you know, it's funny that people, people said to me in the industry, like, oh, you know, like, I'm like, you know, I feel restless. I want to, you know, there's not as much magazine work as there used to be. And, you know, I want to do something. And they're like, you should do a personal project. And I was like, yeah, I was thinking of doing this thing where it doesn't involve anybody except me and kind of going back to my roots where I'm just like, it's just me and my camera. There's no other people. There's no team. There's no fashion. Cool. And they're all like, oh, that isn't what we meant. 
we meant like something personal in the fashion world. I'm like, well, no, I'm not going to. But do bring that. all of us, right? That's yeah. What he's saying. That's yeah, saying. they're like, oh, oh, no, that sounds no, weird. You, like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> personal project. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll see. We'll see. It's more. Uh, I heard you mention more about there. the land. Let's just say. Okay. It's not. Okay. It's. it's it's fair to say it's landscapes, but it's it's a kind of landscape. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. So like who knows? And maybe people will go like, you know, stick to photographing people. Yeah, or people <laughs> might go crazy for it too, right? You never know. This could be your. No, you never know. Yeah. Follow up with it. You the, never know. It could be your new creative direction. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think you just always have to be trying to. You know, it, just being freelance, you're you're just always chasing something. Like you have to chase, like what, you know, you have to show people. I think creative people always have to kind of turn stuff out and and kind of get it out there, you know. And, and I I th I still think there's like tons of shoots that I haven't done that I that I would love to do and love to have the opportunity to do. It's like it's not like I feel like I've shot everything. There's so many different ways to. So many different locations, you know. And do you, do you yeah. still just love using your camera? Like you just love having that thing in your hand, or not really? No, <laughs> it's it's a weird thing, but I don't, you know, I don't like equipment. Okay, I never like, and I never like talking about equipment. Mm -hmm. You know, I used to put like a, you know, I don't know, I can't remember what it was, but it's something like a Walmart sticker or something over the brand of my camera because people would be like, oh, what kind of camera do you use? And I'm like, Walmart, you know, <laughs> just to throw them because I just think it's not about the camera. It's about what I'm, you know, it's like asking a writer, what kind of so what kind of pen do you use? Like, that's a really good novel you wrote. Like, so is it was there a certain pen that like, it's like, no, it's the tool I use. That's just, it just goes through that thing. And, and, I'm trying to tell something. And I remember photographers telling me that in the very beginning. And I was like, yeah, you're being cagey. You know, you just don't want to tell me what kind of camera you're using. But <laughs> um, but I genuinely don't think it really matters. Obviously, you have to use equipment that's competent. Mm -hmm. But you can hand the best camera in the world to like a bad photographer. It's still going to be bad photographs. They're not going to be any different. You know, they may be sharper. But even sharpness is not necessarily a good thing, you know. Um, but, um, it, it allows it to happen. So, I mean, I guess it's, it's like a key, you know, like a camera is like a key that lets you into worlds, you know, it lets you into people's lives when, you know, I want to take your photograph and all of a sudden you can share a moment with someone that's, there'd be no other excuse for you to be standing there and doing that. You know, like I would have no excuse to stand in front of, you know, Taylor Swift and spend so much time like engaging in a conversation with her if it wasn't for this camera this camera allows me to do that so for me it's like key into like experience it's a reason for being there you know it's like even taking your camera out to like cape spear in the morning now you can just go out there and and it's a beautiful vista and and be there but there's like a reason for being there you know, if you're just standing there, people would be like, oh, so what are you doing? You know, what are you doing out here in the woods? <laughs> and, you know, and it's like, oh, I'm taking photographs. Oh, OK. Oh, good. You know, that's yeah, that's, that's valid. That's a reason for being here. So sometimes it just gives you a reason to be somewhere, you know, whether you're chasing a sunset or, 
going to visit a waterfall or, uh, you know, or spending time with someone that's really interesting, you know. Um, I've photographed, you know, lots of interesting people and being able to just stand next to people that I just think, well, I don't know why, you know, I don't know why Taylor Swift would want to spend the day with me other than for that, you know, like, I don't know what other kind of, you know, uh, and, and, and there's lots of people that I would love to photograph. And it's really like, in a, in a way, it's just selfish that I just want to spend some time like contributing to their mythology or, you know, or appreciating, you know, mm-hmm. what they've accomplished in life. Um, and, and, uh, you know, sharing a moment with them i don't know yeah so can you um you mentioned taylor swift can you um can i ask you do you have a favorite celebrity or uh model that you've worked with before do you have a favorite one that you like to see around that you guys are kind of buddies or... yeah people always ask those questions um like what's your favorite photograph and all that what's yeah. your favorite picture you ever did and i don't know that you know like in the moment um, I mean, sometimes photographing celebrities is quite difficult, not because they're difficult, but because there's a lot of um, anxiety associated with it. Everyone's anxious about it. Their people are anxious about it. They have people, you know. Uh, you know, uh, whoever it is, you know, doesn't like to, doesn't want to start, you know, like we shot Lord and we we're supposed to shoot her at nine o'clock in the morning down in Texas and we'd all flown there, we'd all, you know, um, and then, oh, she doesn't want to start that early, she, you know, she'll come at 10, okay, now she'll come at 11, okay, and now she has to leave at 4, now she has to leave at 1, and now she's hungry and doesn't want to do that picture, you know, and then her publicist is like, well, this room's too cold, so can we do it somewhere else, and it, it there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of pressure to do a good job, you know, you know, I I wanted a great picture of Lord for my portfolio because I know it then gets me and it's it also gets me the next job, you know. So so it's a little hard to say like that I enjoy it in the moment. Sometimes I don't enjoy it in the moment. Sometimes people are like not that friendly. There's just a lot of anxiety because, you know, there they are because they have to be and and uh, you know. Uh, but the pictures turn out great and then everyone's like oh that must have been so great and it's like well yeah it's hard <laughs> we got through it eh? <laughs> and we through it she was really late and then she had to leave uh, mm-hmm. and then we ended up having so little time um and then sometimes you know we're just shooting like just you know i don't know just a model you know but they're they're really interesting and friendly and and we just it's just a pleasant day you know we get nice pictures I have a hard time saying like what I like. I've done so much stuff, so I don't really know. Yeah. There's Certain stories stand out. And very often those are stories when things go wrong. Mm-hmm. And then there's a certain amount of excitement when things are can go wrong. And potentially, I mean, you don't want anything to go really wrong. Yeah. But when people ask for stories, they don't want to hear the stories about where everything went right. Yeah. They want to hear yeah. the stories when things went wrong. Like not terribly wrong. Well, it's okay if it's terribly wrong if it's with someone else. Yeah. But they like hearing the excitement of the. And I often think like if you could engineer a little drama into every shoot, 
We make every shoot more interesting, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think the way we do that sometimes is by setting up ourselves for like a, like a dramatic premise to the shoot. Like when we shot in the desert um, for Dress to Kill magazine, there were a lot of, you know, a lot of things going on there. You know, we had these giant balloons. We were like, you know, we had this dramatic location. You know, was the model going to, at the last minute, it looked like the model wasn't going to make it. Are, are we going to get the clothes, you know? And then it turns out to rain half the day and then the wind. And, you know, like, it's a great story. And, and in the end, those are the things you remember. You don't remember the stories where everything went right. Oh, it was, everything went great. We got beautiful shots. Yeah. So what? That was it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. <laughs> I mean, um, I photographed a Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin uh, when I was really young, and I forgot to put film in the camera. No pictures. No. No pictures. We did a virtual photo shoot together. I spent a few minutes with him. I only got like three or four minutes with him in a yeah. hotel room. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's a big fan. I love your work. Oh, my God. Uh, okay, stand over here. Stand over here. Lie on the bed. Do this. Do that. Like, you know, sit by the window. All right, your time's up. Go. I get outside. I'm like, oh fuck, <laughs> no, no film. <laughs> but you know, those are great stories. Yeah, those are great stories good. afterwards. In the moment, yeah. it was panic. <laughs> At the time, it wasn't so. But yeah, cool. But um, in a way, you know, I spent I spent time with Robert Plant, and it would it did not involve photography. Yeah, <laughs> there cool. were no pictures. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah um, I guess so. Can you tell us about where you think the photography industry will be, specifically, obviously, fashion photography will be in the next 10 years? Where do you see the industry going? Any changes coming? I mean, there's been there's been a lot of huge changes uh, in the last five years, I would say. Um, and um, so what's happened is that uh, with fast fashion and the just increase of like e-commerce uh over kind of bricks and mortar stores. Um, so many businesses are thriving in e-commerce. Um, it's really hard to get people to go into stores. And uh, um, so, so people are putting a lot of, like a lot of, of priority on e-commerce. And then what they've learned from e-commerce is that people get bored really quickly. And people generally are just have no attention span anymore. And so if they go to a website and it looks the same as it did two days ago when they looked at it, it, it registers that like I've already been here and there's nothing new. So, so there's a huge pressure on, on retailers to change their website constantly, reorganize it, put different things at the top, you know, web banners. Um, and so as a result, they need way more content than they've ever needed. Like it used to be that fashion would have a season that you would do a campaign for, for a brand um, or a store or a retailer. And that would, and that would be fall, you know? So, um, so fall would, you know, start in August and would run through till it's Christmas, you know, and, and you'd get, so all those pictures would be used in the store in mostly in the store and in magazines. And, um, so point of purchase or what they call out of hand, which is or uh, which is like, you know, on billboards or, you know, and, and and people's absorption, you know, was was slow enough that uh, they would see the ad in the magazine. 
they would go to the website, but it wasn't as, you know, as uh, as fast moving and and pictures would last a lot longer. Well, now they feel like they have to change those pictures, like in most cases, like almost every day, you know. So there's a huge content, like it's way more content than they need. They also need to sell way more items of clothing. Like it's just so many, um, you know, what they used to sell, maybe like, you know, 300, you know, items of clothing in a year, different shirts and tops and stuff like now. Now it's like 3000 and they buy smaller amounts, photograph them, sell them new product, new product. So it's like little collections coming out all the time. Uh, and so photography, so now I'm being requested to shoot like far more content than ever before. So when it used to be reasonable that we would take eight or 10 photographs in a day, it's now reasonable to produce like 50 or more in a day mm. and, um, and day after day after day. So when the retailers are kind of struggle to kind of figure out, uh, like how, how to deal with this in the end um hiring people full-time in their office um and having an e-commerce studio on site is the really the only way they can afford it so then you have and, and so then they pay these e-com photographers relatively little and they're like almost full-time um which you know which is a, a different kind of photography that never existed before um and campaign photographers like people who actually produce like so then they struggle back and forth and try to figure out like well now we've hired these e-com photographers and we're paying them virtually nothing but they're also not very good so then i get called in to try and teach them how to be better and i charge them to to teach their e-com photographers and i've done this with lots of brands i go in for a day or two and i say okay light it like this light it like this you want this you do this here's what you're doing wrong like this is how what would make it look better uh, and then the econ photographer, but really this person's getting paid relatively little compared to, you know, a campaign photography. And then, and then the campaign photography um, still exists. They still need to make it like, you know, they, it can't all be boring on a white background. They need, they need some fancy pictures sometimes where, you know, but even then there's like a lot more volume necessary. So, you know, we just produce a lot of volume, a lot of variations uh, and then they just populate their website between my photography and the other photography. Increasingly, uh, you know, a lot of brands are not even hiring models. They're just using heads and arms and stuff. And they're photographing the clothes on a, on a duty, like on a, on a form. And then they're just Photoshopping heads and, and hands on changing the skin color and, and now increasingly what I'm seeing with like, you know, with what AI is doing, I feel like the next step is that they're going to use um, AI generated people that are not real models that they uh, that can basically buy a person's face that does not exist in real life. That's very, you know, attractive. They can buy like a selection of people with their heads all at different angles. And then they can basically just do it all like in Photoshop and they don't have to hire a photographer. They'll still need a stylist probably. Um, but, but it reduces because it's all about trying to compete with everyone else. And it's all about trying to pay as little as possible mm -hmm. so that they can, you know, so they can make more money. And 
unfortunately, that's what I see happening. <laughs> and, and that's not interesting. None of that's interesting. That's that's not got anything to do with why I ever got into this. I mean, I'm hoping that they'll still want to go on location. But even now with like, you know, me can Photoshop backgrounds into pictures. People do that. I'm like, why go to Miami? We can just put them in the studio and then just make it look like they're in Miami by like Photoshopping, uh, you know. It's a lot of Photoshop. But I think um, as AI gets smarter, I think it'll be increasingly um just a no-brainer that you can take the the clothing like some kind of a, a cg representation of the clothing and you can put it on as on an ai generated uh, model and on an ai generated background and you can just run with that that uh and and you're saving a ton of money and it's just someone sitting on a computer in the end like monitoring all that wow so that's where I see that going. Yeah, very cool. I still do think that there's a place for photographers in there, mm -hmm. but a big chunk of like what used to be, you know, uh, fashion photography has been taken away. I see. So like, does that mean that Adobe is investing heavily in AI? Like that's going to... Like who I mean, is, I don't know that Adobe is, but all this AI to to do all this work. Everybody is. It's, everybody, it's huge. Yeah, it's huge. You go to like Shutterstock now, which is like a stock photo agency, and that used to be a, a you know, I I'm with Getty, uh, um, and um, used to be able to make some money from kind of stock photography. You know, people would buy like, oh, I need a picture of a mountain or a sunset or something. Well, now you go to that stock agency and it just asks you, what do you want? And we'll generate that picture for you. And that does not mean going through their, their files and finding a picture. That means that they will generate a new, completely original photograph of whatever you're asking for. It's not very good at rendering people, uh, but it's very good at rendering objects and architecture and, um, you know, so that's a little uh, a little frightening, um, and the the problem is that a lot of these AI engines like Midjourney and um, Stable Diffusion and uh, Dolly and all all these new ones that are coming out right now, and it's definitely worth anyone's while looking at that to see like what's actually going on there. Um, they're using like a lot of photography and art from the history of photography and art to create those images so they're effectively stealing um they're not stealing actual images but they're stealing you know um lighting and the look of things and you know the uh, you can argue that that you know I, i've done a little bit of exploration and i can see like which photographer they're taking that from you know i can understand where they're getting their inspiration from and there's nothing stopping another photographer from doing that, like from, from looking at an old, you know, like a historically, you know, famous photographer or whatever and saying, I want to take a picture like that and doing it, everything so it looks like that. But the fact that AI can do that and they can do it so quickly um, is, is a little bit like unnerving, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, that's uh, good to know. And uh, I'll definitely be taking it upon my own self to do a bit of research on that for sure. 
Um, with all that being said, do you yeah. have any future goals as a creator for yourself? And uh, where do you see Chris in a few years from now? Um, well, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> I'm okay doing a little bit less uh, than I used to in that I, you know, I don't, um, my kids are all grown up and, uh, and paid for their university and everything. So um I, you know, I would just like to continue doing the creative work that I do, like with the same sort of inspiration that we've been doing, you know, like this, you know, a bunch of people getting together and going, you know, it would be fun if we did some pictures that look like this, you know, like, uh, and sharing a mood board and saying, oh, we love, you know, this, uh, this idea. And what do you, what, what are you going to bring to it photographically? And this is what I want to bring to it with the clothing and, you know, how, and, there's this great new face we'd love to photograph and 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 just do that and i mean uh i would also love to go to like you know there's so many places around the world that i would love to shoot uh, i mentioned iceland before like that's definitely on the top of my list but even iceland i mean you know there's so many like where do you even narrow that down there's like so many amazing locations there um so yeah i've still got ideas that i that i'm just going to continue to do and and just continue to work on and uh, hopefully find people that are willing to pay for me to do that. <laughs> it's different when it comes out of your own pocket. Yeah. Very but when cool. a client says, Hey, we're going to fly you to Shanghai. And uh, we're like, okay, I'm good. Yeah. I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So my last question as we wrap things up today is just, if you weren't a photographer, so if you were to put down the camera, what do you think you'd be doing? Is there another thing that you're passionate about? Uh, I mean, other than like maybe videography or directing. Yeah, put or the cameras like away to the side. What do you think you'd be up right. to? If you no camera. If you couldn't take a picture. I mean, I like lighting design. So I don't know. That's still adjacent. You know, I like the idea of lighting design. Like I walk into buildings and I, I go, why the hell did they put the lights like that? You know, like our restaurants oh, yeah. even. Yeah. Like I, I, it's a big pet peeve of mine, like going to restaurants and I'm like, what are they thinking with the lighting? Like, you know, like we're, you could change the whole mood of this place just by changing the lighting. And, uh, is there any money in lighting design? I don't know. Yeah. I could design actual light fixtures, like, um, also like set design. So, but that's, I still think that's all sort of adjacent to what I do. Mm -hmm. Um, like I like designing sets, you know, for shoots. Uh, that's a lot of fun. I could just do the set design. Somebody else could do it, but it, it, it all kind of ties in with the final vision of what that picture is going to look like in the end. So for set design, does that include building planning and building? Is that kind of included? Yeah, no, I mean, I've built a lot of sets. Yeah. Yeah. When we were doing the, the talk the other day um at fanshaw i i was uh trying to show some pictures that uh of set design uh, that i'd done but i didn't actually get to them um but yeah i'm handy building things yeah and cool i can kind of see uh and 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 the people i work with you know i work with a lot of assistants that are also my team like they're also very handy at building and, and problem solving. So it's like when we start out with an idea and we're like, we want it to look like this, but 
uh, I mean, for photography or film or whatever, it, it it only has to last as long as the photo shoot and it's torn down afterwards. So it's, it's a bit of a facade. It's not like, you know, yeah. it's just what looks cool. Yeah. <laughs> what can you what can you do with foam core and uh, you know? <laughs> very cool yeah right on and well i can't wait to a little bit of wood <laughs> yeah right yeah. on well i can't wait to be able to design some uh sets myself for sure so in the future so um is there anything else that you'd just like to add anything you'd like to say to uh my viewers as we kind of wrap things up here I don't know. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of satisfaction in following the creative progress uh, process that's, you know, in your mind. And and uh, I think uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. If I could go back and do it again, I just do it the same way. I mean, I, I, I think um, get your ideas out there and, and, you know, um, I would say, you know, kind of discipline yourself to sit down and think of ideas. It's something that most people don't do. They don't sit down with a blank piece of paper and go think, like just think of things, you know, like it's easy to then fall into, oh, I'll just look that up on the computer. I'll, oh, I've got an idea. I wonder if anyone else has done that or, you know, like you can get to that stage, but very often uh, just sitting and, and thinking and writing, I think writing or drawing um, is, a, is a great step. And I don't think people, it's really easy to avoid it, even for me, because it's hard. It's kind of hard to be creative, um, but it's, but it pays off. That's and have a cup of coffee while you're doing it. Yeah. Cheers, Chris. <laughs> and uh, that's something actually I struggle with. I, I'm, I, I've been meaning to do more writing this year and uh, I'll definitely take your advice on that for, for getting out the notepad more often and, and doing some sketching. I do enjoy it. I do enjoy sketching and drawing and writing and stuff. So that's uh yeah. And if you can too. force yourself into, uh, into solving a problem, like sit down and write, you know, obviously you don't have to be like poetic about it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's not about writing. Well, it's just trying to get ideas out. And I thought, you know, um, I find that's very fruitful in the end, difficult and fruitful. But if you can focus on that and turn everything else off, I think it's, uh, I think that's where, you know, that's where your creativity is. So try and break into it. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Chris. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show today and speaking with me and everything. So, uh, just so everybody knows you can find Chris at Chris Nichols photography on Instagram and uh, chrisnichols.live is his website if you ever want to check out his work and his portfolio and get in contact with him. Uh, again, Chris, thank you so much to all the viewers. Thanks so much for watching, and we'll see you all next time. Cheers, everyone. Thank you.